Thank you for joining us. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. The sermon you are about to hear is from our study through the New Testament book of James. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text NEW TO HOPE to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form you can fill out so we can get to know you better. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. I want to begin by asking you a question. What comes to mind when you hear the word wisdom? Wisdom. It's not an unfamiliar word, but what do you think about when you think about wisdom? I think when we think about wisdom, a lot of us have a lot of different images that maybe comes to mind. And I want to put some images up on the screen that maybe are what come to mind when you hear the word wisdom. Here's the first image. Now, that is Socrates. If you know who that is, Socrates is one of the founders of Western philosophy. He gave us the Socratic method. A lot of people, when they think about wisdom, they think about someone like Socrates. They think about critical philosophical thinking obtained through asking and answering stimulating questions. That's what wisdom is to a lot of people, the realm of philosophical thinking. To other people, maybe this is the picture that comes to mind when you think about wisdom. How about this one, right? You know who that is? That is who? Yoda, right? Yoda. We think about wisdom as sage advice gained from some master of experience in a certain discipline. By the way, if you see that picture, hopefully you're like me. I'm a big Mandalorian fan now, right? So if you hadn't got to the end of season two, just hang on. There's a big surprise at the end of season two. But Yoda, we think of wisdom as climbing up to some mountain, going off to the swamp, and getting the sage advice from the master. Some people think about wisdom with this image. The image of, who's that? Albert Einstein. We think about wisdom as advanced accumulation of intellectual knowledge. If somebody's very smart, then they are very wise. I studied a lot this week about this idea of wisdom, and I came across a statement by a man named R. Kent Hughes. Listen to what he said. He said, wisdom is not knowledge. It is far more than the accumulation of information and intellectual perception. The fact is, man, through his vast accumulation of knowledge, has learned to travel faster than sound, but displays his need for wisdom by going faster and faster in the wrong direction. Man has amassed a huge store of information about the world, but shows his abysmal lack of wisdom by failing to live any better in the world. Wisdom. Last weekend, we began together a series, a journey together through a New Testament letter written by the half-brother of Jesus, James, who's also the first pastor or the, the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. We began last weekend, and I want to continue. If you got your Bible, I want you to open it to James chapter 1. We're going to start right where we left off in verse number 5. And as we continue through this letter, James is addressing this idea of wisdom. Listen to what he said. But if any of you lacks wisdom, 
Anybody say amen right there? <laughs> you lack wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty and its appearance is destroyed. So to the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. James begins to talk to us about this idea of wisdom, particularly wisdom from a biblical standpoint. And I want to take the verses that we've read this weekend, and I want to unpack them with three simple questions. Here's the first one. What is wisdom? I mean, if we're going to understand what James is talking about, we got to all get on the same page in understanding what wisdom is. Because if we don't know what it is, then we're going to read these verses the wrong way. And we've already said wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is not just insight. Wisdom is not simply intellect. It's not just accumulating more knowledge than other people. What James is writing to us about here is something that is much more than just mental ability. James uses words here that communicate what he's talking about is wisdom that has a spiritual dimension to it. One Greek scholar whose name is Spiros Zodiates says about this word wisdom that James uses here is it's a word that speaks to divine wisdom and it has to do with our living out our relationship with God. Let me read you one more quote about what another writer said about this concept of wisdom. His name is D. Edmund Hebert. Listen to what he said. For James, wisdom is more than wide knowledge or that mental intelligence that can express itself in subtle rhetorical distinctions or obscure arguments. Now listen to this. James viewed wisdom as related to the practice of righteousness in daily life. It is that moral discernment that enables the believer to meet life and its trials with decisions and actions consistent with God's will. That's what James is talking about when he's describing wisdom. So our pastoral team this week spent some time just mulling over and praying over this biblical concept of wisdom to try to give us a practical definition that we could use so that we could all wrap our hearts around this idea as we talk about wisdom. So let me put it up on the screen. Here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. Read that out loud with me. You ready? One, two, three. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. Think about that. In every decision, every moment, every circumstance, every relationship, every opportunity, Wisdom from a biblical perspective is the ability to see whatever you're facing from God's perspective. 
Wouldn't you like today to be able to say with whatever's in front of you, maybe it's a big decision that you have to make, or maybe there's personal conflict in your life, or maybe there's a relationship that you are pursuing, or maybe there's a career choice. Wouldn't you like to be able to say, man, I can completely see this from God's perspective. I'm not just looking at this from my perspective. I'm not just looking at this from an earthly perspective. I am seeing this from God's perspective. Wouldn't you love to be able to say that? Well, here's the challenge. We live in a world with a lot of differing perspectives. We all see things differently, whether it's politics or culture or sports. Let me try to illustrate it. Some of you were expecting this. This past Monday night, I watched what I thought was one of the greatest college football games ever played. I watched Monday night as the Alabama Crimson Tide rolled all over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, I know some of you are from Ohio, but, but listen, I'm from Alabama. When you grow up in Alabama, you don't get a choice. It's in your blood. You just root for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I was rooting for them, and I watched that game, and I thought that game was one of the greatest college football games ever played. I got to watch my coach and the team hoist that trophy. We have another guy on our staff team. His name is Tim Brown. I don't know if Tim's in the service tonight or going to be here in one of the services this weekend, but Tim is actually our owner's rep and our project manager for the development of this whole campus. So whether you know it or not, you owe Tim Brown tonight when you go to bed to thank God for Tim Brown. Tim had led through this entire project, put all this in place for us, and is on our staff team. We're so blessed to have Tim Brown. But here's what's interesting. Tim's from Ohio. Tim loves the Ohio State Buckeyes. And during the game, I text Tim (laughs) from my amazing perspective of watching this game on Monday night. And to my shock and dismay, he did not even text me back. (laughs) I found him on Tuesday. And to my surprise, he had a completely different perspective about Monday night's football game. Now, obviously, I'm having a little fun at Tim's expense, Roll Tide. But here's the real story. We all see things very differently. And here's the bottom line. At the end of the day, It's not my perspective that matters. It's not your perspective that matters. It's not what the world's perspective is that matters. At the end of the day, in every situation in our lives, the real question is, what is God's perspective on this situation? How does God see this? What is the wisdom that I need from God to see this like He sees it? I know for a lot of us, 2020 was a challenging year, but I'm just telling you, I've been in pastoral ministry now for 31 years. And we listen, I've been through some stuff, but by far, it's not even close 
2020 was the most challenging year in my life. I needed God's wisdom like never before. And listen, don't misunderstand me. There were plenty of perspectives. If you don't believe me, come check my email inbox. There were lots of perspectives. As I follow a lot of people in our church on social media, there's plenty of perspectives. But what I needed was not your perspective or my perspective. What I needed, what the pastors of this church needed, was we needed God's wisdom. So that leads to the second question. Where does that wisdom come from? What James is telling us is that wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. And James is teaching us how you and I can get and acquire and experience wisdom. James is writing to us about how you and I can see life from God's perspective in every situation. So I want to break down what James teaches us in a threefold statement. Here's the first part of it. Wisdom comes from God. Did you hear what he said in the text? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of who? Pastor Vance. Nope. Your small group leader. Nope. The nightly news. No. Social media. No. If we need wisdom, from, if we need wisdom, then the place to go for that wisdom is God himself. That's one of the problems in the church in America today. One of the problems we're so jacked up right now in the church in America is we're going to everybody under the sun to get their perspective rather than it's sitting at the feet of the only one who can give us real wisdom. We need to know what God has to say. And let me tell you some good news about God's wisdom. Romans chapter 11. Listen to what Paul says about the wisdom of God. Oh, the depth. The word depth is a word that means greatness or immensity. Oh, the depth of the riches. It's a word that means it's incapable of being fully explored. It's incapable of being exhausted. What's he talking about? He's talking about the immensity and the vastness of the what? The wisdom and knowledge of God. Here's what that means. God is never in short supply of wisdom. You're never going to be in a moment of your life where you need God's wisdom and you go to God and find out that he's out today. I'm sorry, I just gave out the last little bit of wisdom I had. If you'll come back and see me tomorrow. Now here's what this text teaches us. There's no end to the wisdom of God. Look what he goes on to say. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. Here's what that teaches us. God is all wise and all wisdom comes from him. Now, if I say to you, God is all wise and all wisdom comes from him, from him, how many of you would say amen? That is theologically correct. Say it out loud. If you believe it, say amen. amen. If you didn't believe it, you need to say amen anyway because it's true. Theologically, we understand the Bible teaches God is the source of all wisdom. All wisdom comes from him and he's never in short supply of wisdom. But what does it mean practically to say God is all wise and all wisdom comes from him. What does that mean practically? I want to put a statement up here to help you unpack it. Here's what it means. God, being infinitely wise, 
knows the greatest potential outcome for every moment in your life. And he knows the absolute best way for you to achieve it. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. Let me read that one more time. I hope hope you grab a hold of what we just said. Here's what it means to say that God is wise. All wisdom comes from God. God being infinitely wise means that he knows in every moment of your life, every decision, every choice, every circumstance, every trial, every difficulty, every relationship, God knows the best potential outcome of every situation you're going to face. But not only that, he knows the absolute best way for you to achieve the best potential outcome. That is God's perspective. When God is looking at your life and God is looking at your situation, God is not thinking about what what maybe is the best. No, God knows what is the best best possible outcome of that situation. And not only that, he knows the steps you need to take to get in on the best possible outcome of that. Let let me try to break that down practically. Anybody in the room right now, be honest enough, say, I I got a decision I need to make in the next week or two. Maybe you came in today with that on your heart. Just just raise your hand. If you you got a decision, you can hold it up. All right, you can put it down. Several people, you got a decision that you got to make. Would you like to know the greatest possible outcome of that decision? Anybody like to know the greatest possible outcome? And would you like to know the steps you need to take to get in on the greatest possible outcome of that decision? Here's what James says. That wisdom comes from God and God alone. Anybody right now in a personal conflict? Walking through something at work, in your family, with a neighbor, some personal conflict that you're dealing with? Listen, do you want to know the best potential outcome of that conflict? And do you want to know the steps that you need to take to achieve the best possible outcome of that situation? There's only one place you can get it. God and God alone. Anybody right now about to begin a new relationship? Maybe you're thinking about starting a new relationship. You've met someone and you're thinking about beginning. You want to know the best potential. You want to not make that same decision again? Do you want to know the best possible outcome of that and know what steps you need to take? Listen, that wisdom comes from God and God alone. Here's what that means. No wonder Henry Blackaby said, A love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in your life. If we're going to experience the best that God has for us, we got to have wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. Let me give you the second part of the statement. Wisdom comes from God as a gift. Look what it says. Let him ask of God who, say it out loud, give. That that word gives, in the Greek language, it's in the present tense, which describes God's generous nature of continuously giving, meaning that God is always in the posture of readiness when it comes to giving you and I 
wisdom. Wisdom comes from God as a gift. That means there's never a moment, there's never a circumstance, there's never a situation in your, in your life that you will face when God is not eagerly waiting to pour out his wisdom into your life. Some of us have the idea that God's wisdom and God's will is this game that God is playing with our lives and he's like hiding behind rocks so that we have to try to come and find him and when we get close he's going to run over here and hide over here and we got to go find him and then when we do find him he doles out wisdom like this. But here's what this text implies. God is right here. And he is waiting on you to approach him in need of wisdom. And when you do, here's the perspective. He's ready to just take the barrel and turn it upside down and pour his wisdom into your life. That's why Proverbs said it this way. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You say, okay, if that's really true, if in every situation in my life I can get God's perspective, I can know God's wisdom, how do I receive God's gift? Well, he told us, you and I must ask. Go back to James chapter 1, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, the word ask here in the text, again, implies ongoing, continuous action, meaning this. Like when you get saved, you don't say, God, give me wisdom once, and then you get it all. It's describing a continuous pursuit in my life of seeking wisdom from God. It's describing a moment-by-moment posture of seeking God's perspective. You say, well, how do I do that? What does it look like to have a posture of continuously seeking wisdom from God? Well, I want to make this as practical as I can. So I'm going to give you three handles. Here's the first one. We seek wisdom through the Word. If you want to know God's perspective in every situation, circumstance, relationship, and opportunity in your life, listen to me very carefully. I'm going to be as honest as I can be. You will never... You'll never know God's wisdom if you don't consistently sit at his feet in his word. You just won't. You can't just live however you want to live and do whatever you want to do. Get to the moment of crisis and microwave God's wisdom into your life. It doesn't work like that. James says if you lack wisdom, the ongoing passion, the pursuit of your life means to be a continual seeking of the wisdom of God. And one of the ways that we get wisdom from God is by spending time in his word. One of my favorite passages of scripture to to unpack this is in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to put these verses up on the screen. Listen what it says. For my thoughts, this is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. That's a good place to say amen. Nor are your ways my ways. Here's what that means. He has a different perspective on stuff a lot of times than we do. He thinks about it differently. Sometimes we assume we know God's perspective on stuff. But he says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then look what he says. For as the rain and snow 
come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnish seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. You know what God said? God said in this text of Scripture, listen, your perspective is not my perspective. As a matter of fact, you're not even close. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You're not even in the same stratosphere with where he's looking at this from. But he said, here's how I'm going to let you in on what I'm doing and what my ways are. I'm going to do it through my word. Now, he said, sometimes the word's going to be like rain. He says, sometimes it's going to be like snow. That's interesting. Rain and snow ultimately accomplish the same thing. They do what? They water the earth. But the way they water the earth is different. When it rains, guess what? It's wet. When it snows, sometimes snow can sit for weeks and months before it melts and waters the earth. You see, you and I can't just run to the Bible when we're in the moment of crisis, need to make the decision and do the spiritual. Because here's the bottom line. It ain't always raining. You see, sometimes God is building a snowbank of wisdom. And when the situation arises, when the opportunity surfaces, when the the relationship's in front of you, then God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to melt away that snowbank where you've just been consistently consuming the Word. He's going to melt away that snowbank, and God is going to provide His wisdom. So so let me give you three quick little things about the Word. If you and I are going to be people who are regularly seeking wisdom from God through His Word, three things. Number one, you got to be in the Word daily. Be in the Word daily. Listen to me. There is no substitute in the life of a believer for time spent alone daily in His Word. That's a good place to say amen. There's no substitute in the life of a believer for time spent daily in the Word. We must be in the Word daily. So here's the question. When you examine your life right now, can you honestly say before God that there is time that I carve out every day to spend with God in His Word? If not, you can't claim James promised to have wisdom when you want it because we got to be in a regular posture of seeking wisdom from God. Be in the Word daily. Number two... We need to sit under the Word weekly. Why do we gather here and open God's Word and preach it? Because God in His infinite wisdom has chosen to pour out His wisdom through the preaching of His Word. And here's what I want you to understand. That very Sunday you don't feel like it may be the very Sunday that God was going to speak wisdom into your life and you just chose to not participate. you got to sit under the Word weekly. Number three, we need to fellowship with others around the Word consistently. You hear that? If we're going to do this, we've got to be in the Word daily, sit under the Word weekly, fellowship with others around the Word consistently. We need to be doing life with other believers around the Word of God. Listen, that doesn't mean we're just hanging out and eating together. That's fun. That's great. We need to do that. But we also need to take the Word together and take the Word in my heart and speak the Word into your heart and the Word in your heart and speak the Word into my heart. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians, this is what he said. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing who? Who does he say? One another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Every personal pronoun in that verse is plural, meaning Paul is describing how we relate together around the word and get wisdom. We seek wisdom through God's word. Secondly, we seek wisdom through prayer. The word, prayer. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. How do we do that? We do that in prayer. But often we think about prayer simply as talking to God. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God, which means speaking, but it also means what? I mean, how's the conversation in your house if you're the only one talking? That's not much conversation, right? As a matter of fact, you would walk away from that unfulfilled if you sat down for a moment of fellowship and the other person went, and when you began to open your mouth, they said, thank you. And that's what we do with God. God, I need this. 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 God, I want this. God, I need this direction. Thank you, Lord. And we don't sit and listen. God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to us wisdom in moments of prayer. Now listen, he will never speak to you in prayer in a way that is contrary to his word. I hear people say all that, well, you know, I really feel like the Lord is leading me. And it's in direct conflict to the word of God. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God will never speak to you in conflict with his word, ever. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. We to seek God's wisdom through the word. We're to seek God's wisdom through prayer. Here's the third one. We're to seek God's wisdom through counsel. Oftentimes in my life, the way I've received wisdom from God, when I'm in his word and when I'm praying, I can go to a brother or sister in Christ and ask for them to speak into my life. And often I'll get God's perspective through a brother or sister in Christ. I love the way the Proverbs said it in Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. As I think back on my life, most of the unwise decisions I've made could have been avoided if I'd simply sought counsel and perspective from another Christian. So here are those three things. The word, prayer, counsel. If you and I are going to experience this wisdom from God, if we're going to be able to see life from his perspective, which means know the best potential outcome and know the steps to take to get in on it, we must be people that are seeking God's wisdom consistently through the word, through prayer, and through counsel. So let me ask you a question. Before I go any further, lay that paradigm down on your life. Can you honestly say before God, that you are living out the practice of seeking God's wisdom through his word, seeking God's wisdom through prayer, and seeking God's wisdom through counsel from other Christians. If we can't say that, we're not in the posture of consistently seeking God's wisdom. So here's what that means. In the moment of decision, 
In the moment of conflict, in the difficult circumstance, starting the new relationship, here's what's going to happen more times than not. We're going to blow it. Because we won't be ready to receive God's wisdom. But if we are living out this practice, listen to what we can claim. Look at the third part of the statement. Wisdom comes from God as a gift, generously and without reproach. Look back at James 1.5. Look what he says here. James chapter 1 verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all. Say this out loud. Generously. Meaning this. He's not just going to give you the breadcrumbs for you to try to figure it out. He's ready to dump his wisdom into your life. He's ready to show you his perspective. He's ready to reveal to you the steps that you need to take. He'll do it generously and without reproach. These two phrases, generously and without reproach, mean that it doesn't matter how many times you and I may have asked for wisdom in the past. It doesn't matter how many times we may have gotten it wrong. If we approach God for wisdom, God is ready to give us wisdom wisdom. Listen to what David Platt said. God gives wisdom generously, abundantly, liberally. He pours it out to all without discrimination, without question, and without hesitation. James 1.5, this is the God of the universe saying, I will impart my wisdom to you. Let me tell you what the promise of James chapter 1 is. Here's the promise. If you need wisdom, God is ready to give it to you. How do you see God? Do you see God with a closed fist? Or do you see God with open hands? Here's what James says. If you need God's wisdom, with open arms, He is ready to give you wisdom. You and I simply need to ask. Meaning, the Word... Prayer, counsel, we need to seek it. So i got one last question, we're done. What are the obstacles to obtaining wisdom? If what we're saying is true, why don't we all just have God's perspective all the time? Well, let me give you three and we'll close. Number one, we fail to ask God for wisdom. Remember what asking means? A continual practice through His Word, through prayer, counsel, not asking God for wisdom, not living out that way is disobedient to the clear command of James. And a little later on in this letter, James is going to say, you have not because you ask not. Are you in the word daily? Are you under the word weekly? Are you fellowshipping with others around the word? Are you communicating with God through prayer, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are you seeking counsel from others? If you are, here's the promise. God's going to give you wisdom. If you're not, you will not experience God's wisdom in that moment. You can't microwave this. You don't get to go to God like a genie in a lamp and rub it when you need three wishes. It's not the way this works. It's a relationship. So we fail to ask for God's wisdom. Here's the second one. The second reason we don't obtain wisdom is we consider God's wisdom as an option. What do I mean by that? Let me show you. Look, look, look up here at verses 6 through 8. I want to read these again. He said, but if we ask, he, he must ask in faith without any, say that out loud, doubting. The word doubting is a Greek word, and this Greek word means to, to be in strife, to be in a fight with yourself. Meaning I'm asking God for wisdom, but I'm not really sure I want to know what he's got to say. 
If we ask doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Being double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That word double-minded is a term that James actually coined. This is the first time in Greek literature it's ever used. And it describes a divided heart. And what it really means is it's saying, God, I want to know your perspective so I can consider it with all the other perspectives. My mentor, Clyde Cranford, wrote it this way. Listen to this. We must realize that when we're truly seeking to know the will of God, He will not reveal that will to us as an option. Some would have God lay His will out on the table along with all the other options. But they reserve the final decision for themselves. Though they definitely want to know God's will, they will follow it only if they think it is their best option. Their major concern is, not, is their own will, not God's. Before they can know God's will, they must be willing to follow it no matter what it might be. God, I want to know your perspective. God's not going to reveal his perspective if we want to know it as an option. So I can lay it down with all the other options and then say, okay, which one of these best suits me? No, if we're going to be people that see, we can't do it doubting. You can't go to God half-heartedly, the divided heart, a heart that's arguing against itself. An obstacle to God's will means this. or An obstacle to us experiencing God's wisdom means when you and I are not at a place of surrender where we're really to follow His will, His wisdom, whatever His perspective is, He's not going to give it to us. But here's what you got to know. We need to get over that obstacle, and here's why. He knows the best potential outcome for what you're facing. And He's trying to give you the steps to get in on the best potential outcome for what you're facing. He's not trying to rob you of the joy and the pleasure of another bad decision. Here's the last obstacle. We place greater value on this life than the life to come. And that's this James Nine, verse, chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 I'll just read the last line he says so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away we put too much emphasis on the stuff of this world and not on the stuff of the world that is to come and if we're too focused on this world rather than the world to come we can miss out on the wisdom of God what's wisdom? the ability to see life from God's perspective it means He knows the best potential outcome and the steps you need to take. Where does it come from? It comes from God. When we ask Him consistently, continuously, through His Word, through prayer and counsel. And when we do that, He's ready to pour it out into our lives. But there are some obstacles. we got to ask. When we ask, we got to be ready to hear what it is He has to say we got to be focused more on eternity than we are right now. That's what the Bible says about wisdom.